can stay standing for a minute. I, uh, I'm using a lapel mic this morning because Pastor Sam basically bullied me into it. Uh, I've never done it before, and so I apologize if I lisp or who knows what's going to happen. But hey, we're going to have an amazing time uh, in the house of God this morning. And uh, I just believe the Holy Ghost is here and He's already just moving through this place. The worship was fantastic and our hearts are open and ready for God to do something supernatural. And, you know, Savannah and I, we are moving to South Africa uh, early next year. And, uh, you know, uh, you, I pray my heart is never a life that follows the wisdom of man, but follows the voice of God. Uh, the wisdom of men is good, just not when it's contrary to the voice of God. Because uh, it's a, to leave uh, working at City Point Church sounds like the craziest thing I could ever do. Uh, I've been on staff for 10 years, and I thought my whole life would be here. And then God spoke, and so we respond when God speaks, even though it looks silly. We're going to move over there without a job, without any plans for finance, without any plans for, you know, everyone's like, are you planning a church? And we're like, I just don't know what we're doing. But I do know that God said, go. And he said, and I'll reveal my plan as you go. And so I, I just pray we live a life that trusts God. This is what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things that are not seen. It's the very tangibility of what we hope for in our heart. And it's the very proof, the very evidence of the things that we cannot see. Faith is trusting God above what we see. Faith is putting our trust in God above our job. Faith is putting trust in, our, in God above the opinions of man. And we're called the just, the righteous, are called to live by faith. Not by sight, but by faith. Not by circumstance, but by faith. We put our eyes on Jesus and let Him lead us. We take wise counsel. We take the, our thoughts of our friends and family, but never above what the Word of God is saying to our heart. I mean, the voice of God speaking and drawing humanity. Come on, we live in a broken, hurting world, and we need to stop living by the confines of our circumstance or situation, but it's time we start living by faith, trusting God in all that we're called to do. You know, this morning, I pray your hearts are open. I know this, remember this story of a young girl. She was uh, in drawing. They were drawing in kindergarten, and the teacher was walking around looking at everybody's drawings, and she came with this one young girl, and she says, sweetheart, what are you drawing? And the young girl looked up, and she looked up to the teacher and said, I'm drawing God. And the, the, the teacher looked down at her and said, sweetheart, nobody actually knows what God looks like. The young girl stopped and looked up at the teacher and she said, well, they will in a minute. You know, I love the faith of a child. That we believe that God is for us and he is faithful. I'm not, I don't think we're called to have childish faith. But the faith of a child that trusts their dad in heaven, knowing that he's got to have an open, expectant heart, not limited by experience, not limited by what we see. Come on, too often do we wrap wisdom of man in the words of God and we call it faith and wisdom. And it's not true. Faith and wisdom is trusting God above everything. I pray your hearts are open this morning, that God would move powerfully, that miracles would take place. I believe wholeheartedly people's bodies are going to be healed today. I believe wholeheartedly that souls are going to be saved today. 
I feel wholeheartedly that Christians who are lukewarm are going to be set on fire to live out a passionate life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Father, come on, would you raise your hands in here? Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost. I raise your Father, I thank you for your church. I thank you for your bride. I'm thankful that you've called us out of darkness and into the light. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to move right now and provoke every heart in this room, God, to hear your voice, to trust your voice. Father, I thank you for your spirit that is manifested already. I can feel the tangible presence of the Lord God Almighty in the room. So Father, we honor you. We acknowledge you, Holy Spirit. Not as a distant emotion or a tingly feeling, but as the person of the Holy Spirit. You God, you said you'll never leave us nor forsake us. So you sent the Spirit of God to come live in us, to be upon us, and to move through us. So, Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you and I pray that every word that comes forth from my mouth, every bit of information by your Spirit would be transformed into revelation in every heart, and such revelation producing a manifest state in our lives, meaning it does something and it gets out from in us and it manifests in our everyday walk as the children of God in Jesus' name. If you love Him, won't you praise Him in this place? Come on, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh, with all that's within me, come on church, bless His holy name who forgives all of our sins, who heals all of our diseases. Come on, City Point Redford, bless the Lord. Shaka. You guys can take a seat this morning. Man, I'm sorry. I just feel the presence of the Lord. Could be that keyboard. Who knows? But I feel I might ask you to stop. Otherwise, I'll get lost. But uh, don't go too far. Hey, we're going to have a good time this morning. And uh, how amazing is our church, you know, with, with red frogs, you know? I love what we do. We go and serve a generation to save a generation. The motive of everything we do as Christians. You know, people say, like, you shouldn't love with motive. I, I, I love with motive. My motive is that my love would produce a love for Jesus in every soul that I meet and come in contact with. Every person that I serve, it's because I want them to meet Jesus. I want them to just feel the encountering, the presence of his God and the freedom that comes with him. Uh, a group of us also went down, we call it the Black Frogs, uh, it's the covert mission. And there was about, depending on the night, but around 50 to 60 of us went down in the middle of Cavill Avenue and uh, we did bash them with the Bible. Uh, not, not in the, you know, turn or burn way. We changed our signs in the, they had the turn or burn signs. We have Jesus loves you signs. And we'll hold them up in the street. We had free healing signs. We had, there ain't no high, uh, high like the most high signs. We said, you need a dose of the ghost signs. We had Jesus doesn't dog the boys signs. And we sat there and I want to tell you, and I want to testify, men, that God loves humanity and he wants his people to tell them all about it. And I, it went, I, we, we can't say how many, but I could tell you conservatively and faithfully that over 200 people in the middle of Cavanaugh were teenagers with heartfelt tears in their eyes, convictions, gave their lives to Jesus Christ in the middle of Cavill Avenue. It was powerful. I've not seen anything like it. People were getting healed. We had this one young girl. They come up because we have our free healing signs. They think it's a joke. And so she come up, and there we were, and we had these signs, and we're praying for a friend, and they're like, that's not real. And I said, well, what's wrong with your back? And she said, I have scoliosis and tension all through my shoulders. And I said, all right, well, watch this. I said, give me a hand. And I said, in Jesus' name, you know, real quick, you know, we don't have to get in like praying in tongues in the middle of the street and trying to do these fancy Pharisaic prayers to make ourselves look good. We just say, in Jesus' name, back be healed right now. And I said, how's that feel? She goes, oh my gosh, what's happening? She's like, the tension's leaving. I, I, 
oh my gosh. And they, were, they swear because they don't know God. All they know is that tension caused from scoliosis that's been there for two years just lifted off her shoulders. I mean, God was moving powerfully. These, these other boys came through and they're like, yeah, Jesus loves us. Yeah, coming through. And I said, hey man, do you have one leg shorter than the other? He goes, yeah, I do actually. And I said, cool, watch this. I said, come sit down. He's like, oh, I said, bring your friends. It's going to be awesome. So he said, come over here. And we sat him down on a chair. And I got down on my knees. And I said, give me your legs. And I took his two legs. And so he had an issue where his hip was all out. And because of it, his feet had issues. And so it caused him pain every day. And one leg was shorter than the other. So I took it. And I said, right leg, in the name of Jesus, grow right now. And he starts going, oh, as his right leg grew in the middle of the street. and ca- It grew all the way out. And he stands up and goes, what the? He goes, bro. And his friends are going, oh my gosh, I just watched your leg grow. He goes, I felt my leg grow. Come on. This is in the middle of the street. People are getting healed all over the place. Color blindness was getting healed. Pastor Sam said, we don't have to just pray for people in the church. God wants to get out of the church. Come on, we come together in the church to stir each other up in love and good works so that we can go into the world with love and good works. Come on, faith without works is dead. You can come here, put your hands in the air, pay your tithes, all out of religious duty. Or you could actually be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit that wants to call you His own. Come on, He called you out of darkness and into the light. You are sons and daughters of God Almighty. Romans 8.11, for all creation eagerly awaits with earnest expectation the revealing, the unveiling of the children of God. The world is waiting for you to recognize who you are, church. We carry the hope of the world. How dare we keep it to ourselves? We carry the freedom that transformed us, that saves us, that didn't just give us a ticket to heaven, but had heaven come live on the inside of us. Freely we receive the grace of God, and I want to challenge us as a church today that freely we ought to give the grace of God to the world out there. We don't go out there telling them they're going to hell, although that's true. We go out there telling them there's a hope, there's a future, hell is real, but there is God's desire is none would perish and that all would be saved. God, we are the children of God. I want to provoke us this morning to recognize the reality of what God did in our lives because Clontarf needs Jesus. Redcliffe needs, this whole region needs Jesus. Every person you come past needs Jesus. And it can come in so many different forms. But I pray we outwork the gospel in our lives that saved us, that changed us. Come on, I'm telling you, we are the children of God. For Christ in me, the hope of glory. I carry Christ. Wherever I go, I carry Christ. We did this like for seven nights in a row. right? So I'm running on like a lot of lack of sleep. Like we were out to, you know, 2, 2 a.m. at least. That was some of us. Some of us stayed there till 4 every night. We'd sleep in the day. We'd come back out at night. And so because we're a radical bunch of people and a lot of us look like hippies, we stand out. We had all of our sons. So people began to know who we were. They began to recognize, man, these are the Jesus people. They're awesome. God, I'm telling you, hundreds of people got physically healed. It was like, I mean, a lot of them were like, F, this is awesome. They didn't stay around, but some met Jesus. We're sowing seeds. Don't, don't despise the seed that's sown, the imperishable seed of the Word of God that gets in every heart. And I was in KFC on the last night, and, and last night we just stayed out till sunrise. It was just awesome. And so I'm on the back of that. I slept from about 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon all the way till now. I'm still asleep. And, 
But it was the last night and I was hungry and it's late, so KFC's open, so I, Lord forgive me, but I, I, I got KFC, it was awesome. And I walked in there, I'm just, you know, you know you can be stirred by the Holy Ghost, not just in a church service. If you put him down to a feeling, then it might just be here. But if it's in you, man, and I was in there and I'm buying my food and all these schoolies are walking in. It was about 3 a.m. and I said, hey, do you guys, have you guys seen those crazy Jesus people in the middle of the street? And they're like, yeah, they're awesome. And I'm like, so you've all seen them? And they're like, yeah. I said, guess what? They love you so much that they're going to buy all of your food right now. And so they're like, what? No, we have to actually pay the people. I'm like, oh, no, we're going to pay for it. It's just going to be the Jesus people that are going to pay for it for you. And so I sat there with my credit card and said, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And all these people are like spinning out, and they started like ordering their food. One girl's at the back in a different group, and she's like, I'll have popcorn chicken and a large fries. And I was like, popcorn chicken? And she goes, oh. it was like, who would ever do that? And I sat there, and I swiped my card, and we paid for all of them. Because it's the love of Christ that compels me. I mean, we're out there giving Jesus a good reputation through love and through the miracle and through generosity. Come on. It was amazing. You know what's even amazing-er, if that's even a word? That just watching the body work in different functions. We had red frogs coming up to us going, we just have to tell you guys. Because red frogs have like access to every building in the whole Gold Coast. The favor of God on that thing is unreal. So they're there at 3 a.m. when these guys are a mess. They're there in their hotel rooms when the guys are crying and they just had these horrible nights. And they're in the rooms and they're like, man, it was crazy tonight. These guys, they're talking to the frogs. These guys healed me and it was so cool. I mean, isn't that? And the red frogs are like, yeah. And they got to sit with them in the early hours of the morning telling them about who healed them and what happened. And they were able to lead, lead people to Jesus in the rooms after they encountered the seed of the gospel in the street. They got to meet Jesus in their rooms through the red frost. Come on, we are part of an amazing church who is called Out of Darkness, and we are evangelical at nature, meaning we want people to get what we have. My message for this morning, the title, is Movement Maniacs. Well, what should you say? It's say movement, maniacs. <laughs> and look, don't worry, I preach good, so the next three hours is going to be quick. <laughs> and uh, so if you guys have your Bibles this morning, uh, would you turn with me to the book of Acts 16, verses 16. I feel like this lapel makes me talk more. Savannah tells me I love the sound of my own voice, so. Does it sound all right? Right. <clears throat> Come on, the book of Acts 16, verses 16. 16, verses 16. We're going to read all the way through 31. And it's an amazing story of the Apostle Paul, who uh, essentially was the uh, ISIS of that day, meaning he was the Christian killer. He was so anti-Jesus that he gave the order for Christians to be murdered all throughout the place. That was his job until he had an encounter with the love of Christ, and it transformed him Instantly, God met him, a murderer, where he was at, transformed him. He then is the apostle who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He was the most radical believer out. And so this is the apostle Paul uh, with a group of guys and Silas entering into the marketplace to tell people about Jesus. It says this, one day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a demon-possessed slave girl. She was a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her master's. 
She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God and they have come to tell you how to be saved. I can never get past this point because I love that the reputation of Paul and Silas preceded them. I love that they walked into the marketplace and before they opened their mouth, men and demons knew that these are the ones that serve the Most High God. I pray that us, as a followers of Christ, that wherever we go, if we go there more than once, people recognize they're the ones that serve the Most High God. They're the ones that go to that church down the road, that our reputation would go before us. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated, I love that word, it feels good to say, exasperated, that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. These, they, they are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and they were thrown into prison. <laughs> this is awesome. The jailer was ordered to make sure they did not escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. I love that they're so afraid of Christians, the peace carriers, the love carriers, that they walked and passed all the criminals, all the murderers, all the rapists, all the thieves, and said, make sure these guys don't escape. That Christians have a reputation that they're probably going to escape. Somehow, we don't know how it happens, but they escape. I, I love it. It says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The chains of every prisoner fell off. Come on, this morning, movement maniacs. You know the word, I looked up the definition of movement and the definition of maniacs because I want us to really understand why I have such an odd title for a gospel message. And, and the first word is movement, and it's this. It's a group of people working together to share their advanced political, social, or artistic ideas. A group of people working together to advance their shared political, social, or artistic ideas. A movement is a group of people rallied around the same cause with motive to advance that cause. The second is maniac. Now this had three meanings and I felt it appropriate to read all. Number one was someone who is violent and mentally ill. Number two is a person who behaves in a very wild way. Now this is getting a little bit better, right? The third is a person who is extremely enthusiastic about something. That I pray that we would become movement maniacs. That we would be a group of people rallied around the cross of Jesus, around the life of his death, burial, and resurrection. And we would be extremely enthusiastic about it. Come on, I pray that we're so enthusiastic about the cross of Christ that some might say, these guys are very enthusiastic. Some might even say, they behave in a very wild way. Or some might even think we're mentally ill. Come on, the Apostle Paul said, I'm only in my right mind because of you. 
The only reason I'm in my right mind is to just help you see a little bit. But if not, I'm out of my mind for Christ because he's from another world. And God lives in me. And man, I tell us, I pray we're movement maniacs. We are extremely enthusiastic about the cross of Christ, that people look at us and recognize who we are. Come on, do we have any movement maniacs in the house this morning? Come on, turn to the person next to you and say, I am the movement. Turn to the other person and say, you are the maniac. I like this thing, Sam. Helps me preach better. At least I feel like I am. Could be the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you. There's four things I, uh, I got out of this passage of Scripture, which I think are really important for us to recognize. And I believe this is just, you know, I just want to encourage you that it's not about personality. I understand people have different personalities, and I understand that we outwork things in different ways. And I love, I feel like God does stuff on purpose because the truth of the matter is that I am an introvert. <laughs> people don't, that response is very common. Uh, I've learned how to be really good with people and I've learned how to, how to, because I love people, it's worth it to me, right? But the truth is being in a room with people I don't know exhausts me. It, it does. I, I, I love them, so I love it. But when I'm finished, man, I'm like, I need to sleep. I need to just put on a, I don't know, something and rest. And, and I, I say that because I want you to understand it's not about personality. Faith isn't a personality trait. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's trusting God. And, and, and enthusiasm isn't a personality trait. You can be enthusiastic about something without being loud about something. You can talk in your voice. You can do it the way that God's created you to do it. But I pray you're enthusiastic about it. And so I just wanted to preface with that, because sometimes when someone gets up here and preaches and tells stories, we can separate what they're doing with what's actually achievable for us, and that's just not true. What's achievable for Paul is achievable for me. What's achievable for Paul is achievable for you, because it's Christ in us. There's, no, it's not, there's not a difference. It's just our, our working may look different, but I pray we're enthusiastic about the cross of Christ in our lives, that we would be movement maniacs. Wherever we go, whatever we do, whether it's at the restaurants, come on, I'm getting on a tangent here, but I just, I just want you to understand this, because otherwise we, we go, that's so cool, what a great story, and think that's never achievable in my life. And so the four things I noticed was, the first one, as I said earlier, was that the reputation of Paul and Silas preceded them. That their, light, their life so shined before men that they glorified their Father in heaven. Because they didn't have to go in and say a word. They walked into town and people knew, hey, they're the ones that serve the Most High God. They're the ones that serve Jesus. And I pray this be the reputation of every believer. Not just in deed, but in words as well. But I'm talking about deeds from the way that we treat people, the way that we react to people. Come on, sometimes we can be at a restaurant and our food will come out wrong or they take forever and we think we have a right to respond in a way that they, that's like pushing them, you know, I paid for my meal, I deserve good treatment, that steak was $35, how dare it come out rare, and I'm not saying we can't send something back, but I am saying how do we respond to the person who brought it out to us. I say it because I was the worst. Man, I paid can you need to fix this steak? And if they were rude, I'd be rude back. And I'm a Christian and I'm responding in such a way. Come on, my rights, I gave up when I died with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. I live in such a way, now, not before, 
But now that whoever I talk to, whoever I encounter, if I have time to preach the gospel to them afterwards, they have ears to hear what I have to say by the way that I live, by the way that I act. Come on, Luke 11 says, if you have a light, why would you put a basket on it that, that covering it from people to see? Why don't you take it off so all can see? Because we don't need any more basket-headed Christians. We need to take the basket off and shine his love. You know, the great St. Francis of Assisi preached the gospel at all times using words when necessary. Meaning the way that we live ought to shine the love of Christ that transformed us and changed us. Come on, we've we, we got to get over this bless me thing. We can start blessing the world. Yeah. The reason we're blessed is because we, so we can be a blessing. Come on, it's, we have to not let the world dictate our attitudes and our postures, but let Christ in us dictate the way that we live towards others. When they treat us wrong, man, love your enemies. Don't argue with them. Don't take a brother to court. Come on, the world will know who we are by the love that we have for one another. How does your life shine to men by the way you treat the person next to you? The family of God. Come on, it's such an important trait that we get the gospel so changed us that we don't keep living the way we used to live. Come on, he took out your heart of stone and he put in a heart of flesh. Number one, that our lives would so shine before men that we would glorify our Father in heaven. The second thing is this, that Paul and Silas uh, understood the authority that they had in the name of Jesus. They understood their authority. Jesus said, I have been given all authority from God and heaven, and I give it to you. So go into all the world, yeah. preach the gospel, and make disciples. And these signs will follow them who believe. They will heal the sick. They will raise the dead. They will cast out demons. I remember in my life the moment I recognized that I believe, but I don't have one sign following me. And I remember going, man, what's happening because I didn't understand my authority that I'd received in the inheritance of God. Jesus gave us authority. The Holy Spirit came upon the apostles and endued them with power. And we have that same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead living on the inside of each of us. Whether you believe it or not, you're carrying dead raising power inside of you. I, I, I never saw the sick healed because I didn't believe I could see the sick healed. But then my mind got transformed that I understood if I believe in my heart, so therefore it will be. Because right believing produces right living. And I began to think, I can heal the sick because Jesus lives on the inside of me. And so then I began to pray for the sick. For months and months and months, I would pray for the sick. No one was getting healed, but I don't walk by what I see. I walk by faith and I live by the word of God. All of a sudden, people started getting healed around me. Come on, Paul and Silas knew the authority that they carried. That demon-possessed girl was harassing them. He, Paul was so fed up, and he turned around, and he said to the demon within her, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out, and it immediately left her. We are the children of God, and we have authority over sickness and disease and all oppression from the devil, and it's time we start realizing it. It's time, come on, sickness is to the body what sin is to the soul, and the blood of Jesus paid a price for all of it. It's called the healing in the atonement. He was whipped on the whipping post for our healing, and it's time we start living in it and stop living by excuses and reasoning of why didn't it happen that time, and why didn't it happen that time, and just start walking by faith and not by sight. Just get rid of Carnal thinking, because the Bible says carnal thinking is enmity against God. Meaning when you think carnally about something the Word of God says, you're actually warring against the things of God. 
and a house divided cannot stand. Don't go out there making up theologies that God causes sickness to teach people a lesson because it's not in the Bible and it's not true. All it's doing is giving you some sort of peace about something you don't understand. But you don't need the peace in understanding. You have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding when you bring every request, every petition before God, and the peace of God will give you peace in your heart and in your mind. Even before the healing happens, we have to stop doing this stuff because, look, we don't understand everything. I get that. But what I do understand is when I started believing that Christ is the healer and he lives in me, now I see the sick healed everywhere I go. Not just in churches, but as you heard before, in the street as well. God, we have to understand the authority we've been given as the children of God. We can heal the sick. Man, imagine, just imagine all of us started believing this. It, it, look, this is the problem when you start believing it, though. You're going to go to a shopping center, you're going to see someone with a cast on their arm. And you're going to see someone at school who has something wrong, and you're going to go, oh my gosh, what do I do now? It's so easy. You just get to walk up to people and say, hey, I just noticed there's something on your arm. Would you mind if I prayed for you? We believe God heals people. It's so easy. And most people, not all, like, sure, why not? Crazy. And you pray for them, and God heals them. It just happens everywhere that I go. Because we have to understand, we have been given authority by Christ to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons. I don't have time to keep telling you stories, but I do know that demons don't like it when I get involved. It's not a pride thing, it's men. It's Christ in me, and I carry the glory of God because I spend time in His presence, and I understand the authority that He's given me. Because I'm a son of God. Come on, you are children of God. And when princes and princesses in the kingdom of the king, they have authority to outwork what needs to be outworked. And we have that authority. We are co-heirs with Christ, seated in heavenly places. Come on, it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Paul said, get out in Jesus' name. And when a son of God spoke, the demon came out. And God moved powerfully. One, that our lives would so shine before men that we glorify our Father in heaven. Two, that we understand the authority that we carry in the mighty name of Jesus, every believer. And the third is this, that Paul and Silas, they weren't afraid of popular opinion, but they feared God and they didn't fear men. Maybe the musicians can come. This, this is so important for me because I know for so long I lived a life as a Christian dictated by... by, by, by hmm. Speaking in tongues, any, any, any interpretation. I lived my life by the opinion people had of me. I was dictated, and I would be so concerned because if we get into that stuff about words of affirmation and gifts and these love languages that are out there, and I'm not anti-love languages, I'm just anti them when they're contrary to the Word of God. And I, I, mine is words of affirmation. You tell me I'm good, I feel happy. If I walk off somewhere and no one's told me I'm good, I'm like introspective. Oh my gosh, did I do a good job? What's happened? God ripped that stuff out of me because I don't live by what people think about me. I live by what God says about me. I'm a son of God. I don't live by the opinion of men. I live by the fear of God. Then I fear God. Then I don't fear men. That means I can actually love men because I'll come to them without motive except for the cross. I'll come to them without needing their affirmation so I can actually love them. You can act, not actually love somebody if you need them because you'll, you'll be careful to not offend and I'm not out to offend. But if I love you because I need you, then I have motive 
and love is not self-seeking. That's not to say we don't need each other. We need the family of God. Hear me, hear my heart here. But it is, I don't live by the opinions of men. Paul and Silas didn't live by the opinions of men. Our persecution is somebody saying, that's stupid. God's not real. One of the famous ones at school was, six, six, six. <laughs> and I was like, what does that mean? They're like, I don't know, just, it's anti-Jesus. Paul and Silas, these are those who preach customs that are illegal for us Romans. It was illegal for them to preach Jesus, yet they did it anyway. What about the laws of the land? We obey the laws of the land. We give to Caesar what is Caesar's up until it's contrary to the word of God. They were beaten. They were whipped because, because they were preaching things that are illegal, but they didn't fear God. I mean, men, they feared God so they could they, they like, man, people need this hope that we have. I'm going to preach, even though it means being beaten with wooden rods. Even though it means being whipped and thrown into prison. For my wife, if you've met her, her name's Savannah. She's an amazing, wonderful, faith-filled woman, but she's very gentle and very soft and is not boisterous at all. And we went in a movie theater, and we were about to watch a movie, and she looked at me. She's like, I'm going to preach the gospel. And I was like, all right. Before the movie, it was packed, soft, gentle music, similar to this. If you're ever going to do it, preaching the gospel in a theater is better before than after. Practical tip. And she stood up. She said, excuse me, everybody. And the whole place, phew, quiet. And she said, you're about to watch a movie. There's some supernatural stuff in this. That's pretty cool. And you're obviously here because you like that. I want to tell you about a supernatural God. And she preached for the next two minutes about the peace of God. You have anxiety. We have Jesus. He brings peace to that. And she preached. She's like, if you need healing, we can heal you. Just come to us after the movie. Sat down. Movie played. Two young Colombian girls came up to her at the end. Crying. We don't have peace. Can you please tell us more? She now has their number. They've had coffee. They're continuing to hear about the things of God because we don't fear the opinions of men. Come on, I'm telling you, we need the boldness of Christ to rise up in us. I'm not saying preach in a movie theater, but I am saying don't fear the opinions of your boss. Love your boss. I'm saying don't fear the opinions of men, but be bold in Christ. Paul and Silas were whipped and they were beaten. How will they believe if we don't preach? Come on, faith comes by hearing. But how will they believe if we don't preach? How will that we preach if we don't actually send? Come on, it's not about the preacher or the pastor up on the platform. If it's about one person, we can entertain and fill the building. But if we equip the saints for the work of the ministry, then we can take the city. We can take the suburbs. We can take the nations. Because 300 is much more powerful than one. It's time we've laid that stuff aside. We've died to ourselves. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. This is my identity. Christ in me, the hope of glory. And it's time we rise up and become movement maniacs, rallied around the cross of Jesus Christ. And we need to get a little bit enthusiastic about it. Hallelujah. That our lives would shine before men, before we even open our mouths, the way that we live would shine Jesus. Two, we understand the authority that we carry. In all circumstances, the world is not your part of the crosses. Three, that we wouldn't fear men, but we'd fear God. We love men, but we don't fear men. And the fourth thing is that Paul and Silas didn't let their circumstances define them. Their immediate situation wasn't their master, but Jesus was. Because they knew 
who they were. And they knew that greater is he that lives in me than he who is in the world. Paul and Silas didn't deserve to be in prison, but they were dragged past the murderers, past the rapists, thrown into the pits, into the inner dungeon. Because I'm telling you, when you carry hope, it's fearful to those who don't have it. The world says, don't get your hopes up. The cross says, get them sky high. Because hope does not disappoint. They were thrown and rather than whinge and complain, they just sat there. You see, they had an opportunity here to blame God. I've served you, God. I've preached your gospel. I've given my tithes and offerings. I've said my daily dinner prayers. I've done all these things. I've been at church 52 weeks of the year. That's amazing. Some of y'all need to do that. This once a month stuff is nonsense. He could have said, but now where are you, God? What about me? Uh, these people deserve to be in prison. They're, they're criminals, but me? Where are you? But they didn't let their circumstance dictate their immediate posture. They said, God, we're going to worship you in the face of persecution. We're going to worship you in the face of injustice. We're going to worship you. God, how dare this happen? No, no. God, thank you that I died with you and now I'm alive in you. And my peace is not dictated by my external, but my peace is dictated by the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because let me tell you, the kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking, but it's righteousness producing peace that responds with joy in the Holy Spirit. Your peace is not from the external. Your joy is not from the external. It's from Christ in you. As the clock struck 12, they dropped to their knees. They began to worship God. And their whole situation began to change. They began to worship God. And all of a sudden, the sound of a mighty rushing wind began to shake the prison cell. It says, in fact, it shook so hard. It went to the very foundations of the prison cell. It shook the foundations of the prison cell. I want to tell you this morning, church, I want to tell you that when God comes, there's not a band-aid solution. He'll get to the very root of the problem. He'll get to the very foundation of your sickness, your hurt, your brokenness, and He'll shake it with the power of the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden, as they worship God, their prison cell flung wide open. You see, they were right to be afraid of those that carry hope. Put them in the inner dungeon, but their shackles fell off, and Paul and Silas were set free from the very thing that had them back. When they worshiped God, when they walked by faith and not by sight. They knew who they were, the children of God. Not only that, you see, every prisoner in the prison cell was set free as well, which says something to me about our worship, that we can worship God and it changes the atmosphere. You see, they were the murderers, they were the rapists, they were the thieves, and they didn't deserve it. But as Paul and Silas worshipped God, they were set free from their circumstance, but even those around them that didn't deserve it were set free. That's why we're in Cavill Avenue, worshiping God. I'm walking around Cavill, praying in tongues, worshiping God, not condemning them, but worshiping God because I love them. And we saw people who were in bondage, people who were in sin, people who were in guilt and shame, trying to cover it up with drugs and alcohol. We saw them set free because our worship wasn't dictated by our immediate, our worship was worship to God. And it changed Change the atmosphere. This morning there's people in here, you need healing in your body, you need to be set free from guilt, shame, anxiety. Or in this room you have people you're like, I'm good, but my son, my daughter, my father, my brother, my teacher, they're, they're in the wrong way of living and they need freedom. Our worship changes the atmosphere. Don't complain about your suburb, worship God for it. You have authority. 
And this morning, we're just going to worship God for a little bit. And I believe the power of heaven's going to fall. We've run out of time. I wanted to pray for some people individually. But you know what? You don't need the hand of a man to touch you. You need the power of God to touch you. Come on, would you just stand to your feet all across this place? We're not going to sit back. We are the just. We are the righteous. And the righteous are as bold as a lion. This morning, I'm going to ask us to do something. I don't want us to worship timidly. I don't want us, I want us to push past personality for a minute. And I'm going to ask us on the count of three, we're going to lift our voice in praise. We're going to lift our voice and we're going to shout. If you want to dance, dance. If you want to move your hands, move your hands. But we're going to worship God for our personal breakthrough and for the breakthrough of this area and for your family because we don't live by what we see. We live by faith and our worship changes the atmosphere. When we do this, people will be healed in the name of Jesus. People in this room will be set free from anxiety, depression, the chemical imbalance will rebalance in the name of Jesus. The effects of sickness that have you held, they will be liberated in the name of Jesus. And for your family, come on, the power of God is here. On the count of three, church, are you ready this morning? From the front to the back, from the left to the right, on the count of three, we're going to shout, we're going to praise, and we're going to change the atmosphere. One, are you ready this morning, church? Two, for greater is he that lives in me than he who is in the world. Come on, three, shout! Shout! Oh! Oh, come on, keep worshiping the Lord. Can we get a little bit more undignified than this? convince people of their sin. Come, the Holy Spirit comes and convinces the world that they're in sin so they can be brought into the family of God and be set free from it. All across this place, if you don't know Jesus, you say, Joel, I don't know Jesus and I want to, or Joel, I walked away from God. I've walked away from God and I want to come home. This morning, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ. He'll set you free from the things of this world. The things of the world are empty but hope and freedom and peace and joy is found in Jesus. This morning, if you need to receive Jesus, we don't have time to waste you. If you're serious on the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand up real high and wave at me and say, yes, Joel, I need Jesus. He's the savior of the world. He died for you and he rose again from the dead so you could be saved. On the count of three, you need Jesus. Put your hand up. One, two, three. Put your hand up. Great decision. Great decision, great decision, great decision, great decision. Come on, anybody else need Jesus this morning? Anybody else need Jesus? Good job, buddy. Anybody else? One more time as I look across. One more time as I look across. If you haven't put your hand up already, raise it up high. As I look across, give your life to Jesus. Don't miss this moment. I believe there's one more person. Put your hand up right now if you need Jesus. Put your hand up right now if you haven't already. Over here. Great decision. Great decision. Wow. Come on, I want us to say a prayer right now. We're all going to say it together. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. The word saved means saved 
healed, delivered. He takes your heart of stone and He gives you a heart of flesh and you become a brand new person, a prototype never been seen before in Christ Jesus. The old is gone and the new has come. You have a brand new life in Jesus. This is what we're going to do. We're going to pray a prayer right now. I will ask everybody to repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. Forgive me of my sin. Remove my shame. Remove my guilt. Take my heart and make it yours. From this day forward, I become a child of God, a brand new creation, a Christian, a follower of Christ. Have my whole life in Jesus' name. Amen. And would everybody celebrate this morning? Would you celebrate this morning as I welcome Pastor Sam back up? Come on, celebrate the Lord. Celebrate the Lord.